Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and boy, March 8th. Time's flying when you're having fun. How about those temperatures out there, folks? 45 degrees today, flower shows going on. We are open in Yarmouth. We opened last Saturday, and last week I did not mention it on the show because we were kind of up in the air. We weren't quite sure if we were going to open on March 1st, so I left it out of the show last week. Um, you know, basically... The snowbanks were really big, and we were kind of deciding whether we were going to open the second weekend or the first weekend. We couldn't really pull the trigger when we taped the show. So we are open in Yarmouth every day, 9 to 5. The greenhouses are exploding. Plants are growing very quickly. I know temperatures have been really cold out there, but it's March. The snowbanks are melting regardless of the temperature out there. Last week, it was 23 degrees outside, and there was water coming out of the snowbanks at the garden center. The sides of the greenhouses, the uh, snow is melting down. The nursery is starting to clear up. Things are starting to happen. We're venting houses uh, to keep perennials cool that we overwintered. We're venting shrubs that are piled up from last year. So we're close, folks. We're close to opening up the nursery, receiving shipments. Things are starting to happen out there. You know... We've got a whole bunch of primrose that look wonderful. Orchids, houseplants, begonias, African violets, all kinds of things in the store, all kinds of new products continuing to be unpacked. And uh, But let's kind of change gears. We're talking flower show. It's Saturday of flower show. The place is going to be mobbed today. 45 degrees. The show is going wonderful. You know, I've I've really enjoyed the show so far, and... It's really nice to see the product mix. And today we have Jim Massey, uh, nursery manager for uh, Yarmouth. And Jim, how are you today? I'm great, Tom. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, you know, the flower show year in and year out can be so different. But the theme this year is Storybook Gardens. And it's kind of interesting to see kind of all the different displays and what they kind of took on for themes. Absolutely. I think um, they did a really great job um, this year interpreting all that. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great, um, exciting mix of plants, um, lots of uh, highlights and lowlights and bright colors. So, and we're ready to see that now. You know? Yeah, it's really, you know, we've had such cabin fever. It's been kind of a really long winter to say the least, you know, cold. We're sick and tired of the oil and gas bills, you know, your wood piles probably dwindled down, if not had to buy more wood this year. You know, it's right. just been a long winter. Um, Time. you know, let's, let's talk about a few of the plants in the show because, oh, sure. you know, I thought there was some really cool different plants that if you're going to the show, folks, look for some of these plants that we're going to talk about today. You know, we're going to spend the show this week, you know, talking a little bit about some of the highlights that we saw for specific plants, not really individual, you know, displays per se, right? Right. And there was so much to, there's so much to see you too. So we're just going to just, uh, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg. I Absolutely. Think, yeah. So for all of you folks out there, the one thing we want to stress is the show did a really good job of bringing in plants out of Florida and Georgia this year. Now you can understand the challenges that they had due to the fact that it's so cold all the way down into Florida, you know, that their plan was executed quite well, but it could have been better if we had a normal spring. Yeah. And, and that's always the challenge, you know, and trying to get those plants, these plants that are really mostly tropicals, our annuals here, mm -hmm. you know, 
pumped up enough in our low light conditions in you know January and February to get them to look like something. I think the show has really accomplished that this year. Absolutely. So let's talk about a few things that I saw. We'll we'll kind of start. Let's start first with the the structures and stuff. So you know, one thing I saw was beautiful granite arch. Oh, I know. That was amazing. Yeah. You know, yep. um, beautiful granite arch, something you could see kind of like Stonehenge, almost like kind of cool, you know, old fashioned looking, but you know, just something that I could see someone putting that in their yard someplace and really being a huge focal point. Right. And it's, um, it's has a rustic feel to it. So mm-hmm. I think it would really lend itself to a lot of different le- kind of landscapes too. So yeah, Beautiful. a lot of different, different types of stone, a lot of, um, you know, block walls and stuff like that. I'm kind of tending to kind of, I'm coming around. I've always been a traditionalist, you know, and really, you know, like the natural old New England looking stone. But I'll tell you, some of this new manufactured, you know, wall type materials, They've really come a long way, and and I saw that kind of throughout the show. I I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I noticed that as well, and and it's nice to see a mix of you know the, even the mix of the you know synthetic or the man-made materials with the natural stone. It's come that product has come such a long long way, and we've been looking at it for a, a little while, but it's really coming into its own now. I think, mm-hmm. and you know, the annuals I think are are one thing that really kind of spread out. You know, in depth due to the fact that they brought things in you know multiple colors of geraniums marigolds um a lot of veggies and herbs which i thought was really really nice um but begonias i thought the begonias were really nice the angel wing begonias tell us a little bit about angel wing begonias i mean because i think a lot of customers don't use them because they don't know about them well, angel wing begonias, they come in, you know, a, a nice color range, you know, the oranges and reds, there's some other lighter colors in those. Um, angel wings are very easy to grow. Um, they, you know, a lot of people think begonia is more for shaded environments, mm-hmm. but the angel wings can take quite a bit of sun. Um, they can also take a little bit on drier soils. So if you use them in a, a container, you know, that you're not always, um, you know, let's face it, we're not always perfect on our watering. Right, um, right. So, uh, you know, so I think that they're incredibly useful for shaded situations as well as, you know, a little bit more sun, some of the varieties. Real yeah. versatile plant, mm-hmm. holds up well in the hot summer. Um, and, and the one thing, I, there's not a ton of deadheading. The flowers kind of just fall off. You know, you need to pinch them back maybe a little bit here or there when they get leggy. But for the most part, long blooming, low mm-hmm. care, easy plant. Yeah. Um, need some good fertilizer just to keep them nice and dark, but, um, not overly fertilization heavy. Right. Yeah, you know. I think it's uh you know like you said with the cleanup, you know a good stiff breeze and you're you're they're deadheaded for the day pretty mm-hmm. much. So mm-hmm. excellent plant. Um you know so then there was the traditional things like you know the cyclamen and the ferns and the you know all the other things. Any other annuals that that you can think of that that kind of shined in your you well, know, walk there, around. Yeah, there was a plant that I hadn't seen in a while, and it took me quite a while to, uh, let's say, you know, the older I get, my memory's perfect, but the pathway <laughs> to it is sometimes a little cluttered. But um, I was staring at this one plant, and I think it's called Ruelia, I think, mm-hmm. but um, it's kind of a blue flower. It's, I know it's a tropical plant, but we've we can grow it up here in the landscape. Um, just beautiful dark dark green foliage with some burgundy highlights. Mm-hmm. The flower is like a beautiful blue purple color um almost kind of uh, impatient shape the flower mm-hmm. but just a really interesting plant to see up here you know and yeah, yeah absolutely i mean I, you know i thought overall just the things that 
they used in the show a lot good mix of old and new like for instance on the geraniums you know a calliope dark red which is a newer variety in the last few years it is a true red it's not an orangey red and you know so take a look at that color of that geranium because it holds true all summer long and it's a big grower many people have gone away from using geraniums in the landscape number one because you do have to deadhead them Mm -hmm. but number two because for about a 10 or 15 year period the geranium breeders took the vigor out of geraniums you know and i remember geraniums as a kid they got nice and big they had big flowers. They yeah. grew well. You didn't have to put that many plants in. For a long time, the breeders took the vigor out because they were really worried about what they looked like in a pot, not what they looked like in the landscape, right? right. Yep. Yep. Calliope dark red, that's right. not the case. I mean, you've seen it in the landscape. Oh, it's it's an amazing plant. The color saturation, it's like a has a lot of burgundy undertone to it, but it's a more of a blue red, like you said, mm-hmm. rather than a scarlet red. Um, really vigorous and, um, you know, what's old is new again. That's what we see in the, in the landscape all the time is things kind of go away, but then they come back and we've missed them. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. You know, and Calliope Dark Red's one that we keep m- putting more and more of our production yeah. into that variety because it just, once people put it in the landscape, it performs so well. You know, it brings them back to that old, geranium they used to have that always looked good all summer it had big flowers that were wrecked upright really nice full form didn't you know like get blown over by a rainstorm or shatter so you know it's amazing kind of some of these things that are coming back around. I agree with you. Old is new and, and many, it doesn't matter what industry, clothes, right. I mean, you know, it, it all comes full circle. It's right. just maybe we have a little better materials the second time around. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about a few of the shrubs because I saw some, I saw some real consistent plants throughout. We always see the pines and, and, you know, the evergreens, but, one thing that jumped out at me was green jar, giant arborvitae. Right. And now this has been one that a lot of people have kind of touted that it's deer resistant. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, deer resistant, uh, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago, holly used to be deer resistant or deer proof. And now they're eating that. So we always want to proceed with caution, I think, when yeah. it comes to saying something is absolutely deer proof. Um I know of people that have that plant that it, they're getting some uh, damage on. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So if the traffic's heavy, you know, they're eating pretty much anything in their pathway. They just have to learn to eat it. And they're taught by their parents. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there isn't anything that isn't on a deer's palate at this point. Uh, you know, I'm sure all of you out there are having quite a bit of deer damage. You know, here we are. It, this is the time, folks, when you should be out there protecting your plants. The deer are extremely hungry. I know, you know, the snow banks are melting, but right now is when they are scavenging for anything. And with warmer temperatures this weekend, throw out some deer repellent around the plants you want to protect, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, once you, once you have those few warm days, they're going to travel outside the deer yards where they winter and they're going to go out farther and farther looking for food and once they find your yard they're staying until it's gone (laughs) that's right you know 
So, uh, Green Giant Arborvitae, tell me about the structure of that plant a little bit, sizing. You know. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it's it has an Arborvitae feel to it, but uh, the foliage has a different, you know, p- kind of pattern to it. It's a little bit more loose mm. um, in, in form. Um, it's a little, the foliage is bigger, too. It has a, uh, it's a very fast grower. It's mm. amazing. I have one in my backyard that's, you know, put on a couple feet and, right. you know, in a season. Um, so... Uh, but the color of it, it's a uh, green giant, um, g- excellent deep green color, especially during the summer months. In the winter, of course, it does change color a little bit. But yeah, it gets some bronzing, most, most right? Most plants do. I certainly change color in the winter. I get a little <laughs> paler, but... Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good grower. So mm. what we're finding here is it's working out really well, so... Yeah, I, I like the shape of it. Mm-hmm. I just, I would... Caution everyone, anybody that tells you that it's deer resistant, it's not true. Uh, you know, I would say it's deer food at this point. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the tags will say deer resistant. Correct. We've prompted our sales staff to basically yeah. tell you it, it's like any other arborvitae. Yeah. You know, so that one to me was, was a standout for evergreens. You know, we'll go into a lot of dwarf conifers, folks, because I love dwarf conifers, as as Jim well knows. Um, but, you know, a couple other things that you want to keep your eye on, there was a, a white fringe tree. Oh, Chyanthus. yeah. yeah, yeah. Love yeah. that plant. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that plant. Well, Chyanthus, um, it's a, uh, and we can say Chyanthus, Chyanthus. It's all relative. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of discussion about how to pronounce it. But uh, as long as you can tell me that white, beautiful thing with white flowers, we're not going to judge you. Um, so... Chyanthus is, uh, it's in the olive family actually, which mm-hmm. is the same family as lilacs and ash trees. And it has kind of an ash-like quality to it. It has a beautiful, um, deep, dark green foliage, kind of a shiny, waxy foliage, which is nice. Um, but the, the best thing about that plant is it flowers before the foliage comes out. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's a really beautiful plant matted up against, you know, a darker background, for instance, or, you know, a darker home. Um, the flowers have a really kind of um, fringe-like quality. They hang in these kind of um, really loose clusters, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very fragrant as well. So, you know... I love the fragrance. Yeah. It's one of my favorite plants. Yeah. I have one um, in my yard, and it it really, really is a fast grower, though. Mm-hmm. Once you get it established, um, you know, what, 6 to 12 inches a Absolutely, year? Yeah. Once it's established, uh, you know... I would say up to 18 inches a year. Yeah. It's not, it, I would call it a small multi-stem tree, really. You know, it does get bigger. It's not something you're going to want to prune and prune and prune to keep right. yeah. four to five feet tall. Exactly. And, you know, that's the thing is like you have, you know, a small shrubby tree or, or, or a, you know, it's either a small tree or a large shrub. You right. know, take your pick, but you're probably looking at the eight to 10 foot range. Mm. Um, so, uh, but it's, vi- it's a very versatile plant. It's hardy to zone four, which is really nice. So it's really hardy. Um, but the fragrance alone, and that's what you'd expect from that lilac family anyway. So. Right. Yeah. It's real sticky sweet. You'll probably be able to smell it during the show. Absolutely. It's one of those plants that from a distance, you're going to go, what's, what's, 
what's fragrant here, mm. you know? And the one in the show is nice. It's big. It's probably six to eight feet tall. Yeah. It's in full bloom. It yeah. looks really, really nice. Forced perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and you'll tell because it has the white cast and the leaves will just be starting to come out. Mm-hmm. When we saw it, it really hadn't had much for its leaf. But today, I'm sure it's showing some pretty good leaves yeah. after, you know, three or four days in the show mm-hmm. um, at 65 degrees in, in the show. The plants continue to grow. They don't stop. That's right. for sure. Yeah. You know. Um, so Saturday's a great day for usually the gardens to kind of start to peak. You know, um, the bulbs were amazing. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of daffodils and crocus and hyacinths and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff in there, um, you know, which are always a nice texture. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, there was macrophylla hydrangeas. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yep. uh, that's the something that we so. really haven't seen in the show because right. we've been able to get some out of the southern states. Right. You know, now you're seeing some some plants that are a little bit later, you know, and, you know, macrophylla hydrangeas, we're going to come back to that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Do you want the best-looking lawn in your neighborhood? Let Bonide help with their easy-to-use Duraturf four-phase lawn program. Just use all four phases of this program throughout the year as directed, and you'll have a healthy weed and insect-free lawn. The four-phase program rids your lawn of over 200 broadleaf and grassy weeds, including crabgrass, nutsedge, and dandelions. And say goodbye to surface insects like fleas and ticks while it slowly feeds your lawn all year long. Bonide offers up to a $35 gift certificate to the store where the Bonide four-phase lawn program is purchased. But you can also buy the four phases individually as you need them. Don't let weeds and insects take over your lawn. Get Bonide DuraTurf four-phase lawn program for a picture-perfect lawn. Bonide is found at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit maineigc.com or visit bonide.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook on this wonderful Saturday morning. Beautiful day. 45 degrees for a high today. The snow banks will be running all day. And it is flower show time. Portland Flower Show is going on and today is Saturday, March 8th. And let's face it, the show is open from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. today. Great day to see the show. You know, I'm sure there'll be a big crowd. So, you know, hit that earlier or later time frame would be my recommendation. They're also open tomorrow, Sunday, March 9th from 10 to 5 also. You know, we've been talking with Jim Mastery, nursery manager in Yarmouth. And, Jim, we kind of left off with macrophylla hydrangeas. And, you know, we're going to kind of talk more uh, next week, you'll be in next week also about some new plants and, and one of them, you know, is a, a new macrophylla hydrangea, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's called Bloomstruck. So Bloomstruck. it's in the same family as the endless summer, mm-hmm. um, hydrangeas. And we're really excited about this plant. Um, the look of the plant is, is a lot different than the old as well and the shape of the plant as well. Um, the stems have a really beautiful, deep, kind of um, reddish, burgundy color to mm-hmm. them. Um, the flowers are can be either blue or pink, usually in our climate, as you uh, probably know, with all the mop head types or the macrophylla hydrangeas. Um, the soil acidity or alkalinity changes the color of the flower. So if you wanted it to be pink, you could put lime on it. Well, that's uh, a perfect segue, because i got a question oh. here. I got a question from Norman Springvale. 
And his question is hydrangea. Tell me your take on the use of dry granular or mixed with water soil acidifiers for macrophylla hydrangeas. So, I mean, you can go either way. That's for sure. Um, I per- personally like garden sulfur. Yes. You know, yeah. um, what's, what's your take on it? Well, I like the garden sulfur as well. I think it's a lot safer to use. Um, you can also, you can have some trouble burning if you don't apply you know other other products yeah aluminum sulfate yeah aluminum sulfate thank you garden sulfur is what a natural product it's a natural product absolutely yeah so um that's i just think that uh go slow before you go fast is Mm -hmm. usually how i like to go with that yeah i mean our soils norm are typically acidic anyways so i like the slow go you know the other thing is using a product like holytone from espoma right you know you're acidifying at the same time and they're using garden sulfur in that so a combination of the garden sulfur you know in the spring and fall and fertilizing with the holytone really kind of sets you up appropriate don't you think yep and I, i i have a lot of um customers that are coming in they're buying a blue hydrangea that season they're using a lot of compost you know mm-hmm. something might have seashells or other you know things that are more alkaline based so what i'm finding is people are saying well i've used the holytone i put the compost in and my hydrangea is kind of like this purpley color. And I think that, um, patience, you know, being a virtue and all, um, you know, it's, it, once you put that plant in with, uh, the, uh, the amendment, what can happen is it can take a little while for that flower color to change. Mm-hmm. And so I like to put holly tone in, you know, right away to make sure that we're getting it. Um, acidic as quickly as we can. But in first season, sometimes the plants will be a little on that purpley pink side because right. of the compost that you use. So keep, keep using. And my preference is either you can use the sulfur for a quicker, a little bit quicker effect because it is a little bit quicker than say just straight holly tone. Right. But, um, I like the holly tone because it's feeding the plant as well. And as we know with these blue hydrangeas in our climate, the more you feed them, the more flowers you get. The more they produce um, blooms on the new wood as well, and that's mm. one of the benefits of the in the summer series is that they produce flowers on old wood or last year's wood, and so even if you have damage to the plant or winter damage, um, if you feed that plant well, you know, and that's April, May, and June um, with Hollytone, you can really encourage that plant to uh, perform for you no matter what the winter brought to it. Yeah, and next week we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, what the likelihood is that those stems actually live this year and 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 all of the kind of conditions we've had with some of these plants and how they might be affected and how we should approach that a little bit. So, right. you know, we'll get back to the hydrangeas next week also, but you know, at the show, they have some really nice macrophylla hydrangeas that are pink. Right. And, you know, I'm not sure what the variety is. They're probably not varieties we can use up here in Maine because they're they're from Florida or Georgia. But um, you know, it gives a different look to the show. I guess is yeah. what I, I would I would say. I think no matter where it came from, I mean, it really inspires you know great things, mm-hmm. and we can have you know we can have that plant. Um, just not that, not that particular plant, but we can have something very similar in our landscape. So I think it's great inspiration. Absolutely. I also saw some roses and yeah. roses, you know, they're a topic that we've kind of brought up from time to time on the show and the roses that were in the show, you know, I'm not sure what varieties, but I thought we would kind of talk a little bit about roses because really they've become less maintenance and, uh, you know, 
I'm kind of getting won over by some of these new roses, like the Drift series yes. and yeah. the Knockouts yeah. and Easy Elegance. And, yeah. you know, what's your take on roses? I mean, I, I'm feeling like we should start using them a little bit more. Well, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the landscape roses too, there's not a lot of fragrance involved. Um, so, you know, fragrance tends to bring, you know, you know who more readily, Japanese, Japanese beetles, beetles yeah. who we, we love our friends. About July, they all descend on us. Um, but, uh, you know, some of these landscape roses, they have thicker foliage, um, and the flowers aren't as fragrant, and they're less attractive to the beetle. So that's, that's a great, great place to start. Um, they're really improving foliage, texture, color. Um, they bloom all summer long. So right up the, until late right, frost. Exactly. I mean. The drift series of roses is, I think, really exciting. It's a rose that anybody can have in their landscape. It's, um, it's, uh, smaller and more compact and they just have incredible bloom potential. Um, you know, the knockout roses have been out for quite a while as well. So if you wanted a bigger look, you mm-hmm. know, um, if you had a bigger space, that's a great rose. The that... Oh So Easy series yep. by Proven Winners is another yep. nice one. Yep. I particularly like Paprika, yep. you know, that orangey Absolutely. color. Yep. You know, single flowers, but all of these roses, you don't have to get so caught up on how to prune them and, you know, do you have to be perfect? You know, you really can take the head shears to them if you want. Absolutely. You yeah. know, so they've taken a lot of the care, a lot less spraying, a lot less concern. You know, you're always going to have the Japanese beetles a little bit, some aphids. But the black spot and the powdery mildew, they've kind of minimized that. Um, Absolutely. If you give them good cultural practices, I mean, with a rose... Space is always the biggest thing, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, space and uh, make sure they're, you know, make sure that the the air moves all the way around the plant. Try not to, you know, water it um, and get the foliage wet right. so it sits wet overnight. I mean, these are all good practices to keep mildew off of anything. Irrigation so. systems are the worst thing with roses, yeah. you know. I yeah. mean, so if you have a, an in-the-ground irrigation system that waters your lawn and your gardens, you're going to struggle no matter what type of rose you put in there. But if you're a, a typical garden that does their hand watering or waters with a sprinkler, you know, you can get away with most of the time. But, you know, keep your roses, the water off the foliage. That's the number one thing. Yeah. And good airspace, like you said, thinning out that rose a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, when they get really thick, you might right. take a few branches out so that the air can walk through and they dry out with that dew. But roses, I, I, I'm I'm kind of coming around. I'm not, and Jim knows, I have not been a rose person <laughs> um, due to the fact that I am an easy maintenance gardener. I don't want someone to have to deal with a lot of problems, but... The more I see these roses come mm-hmm. on the market, the more I'm kind of, you know, they're a, an intricate part in our garden beds. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because of the length of bloom and the easy maintenance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another plant that I thought was really kind of cool was weeping katsura. Oh, yeah. So tell me about katsura. You know, we have it in different forms, but yeah. there was a weeping form, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Weeping katsura, um, you know, it's one of, uh, one of uh, our, our, 
plant geek plants um but it's just really performs the 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 beauty beautiful part about Katzer in general and the weeping form really um highlights this is it's got a beautiful form for the winter time um in the spring the the buds um when they come out the the leaf buds have a beautiful burgundy tinge to them and then you get these beautiful rounded kind of leaves that have a blue green kind of cast to them almost, that are scalloped around the edge almost kind of heart shaped right yeah they yeah. kind of a heart shaped rounded heart shaped leaf absolutely and um you know it really has very few pests and diseases as well um zone 4 hardy um and you know a breeze comes through and it has a kind of a poplar like feel mm. the the leaves quake in the wind so beautiful plant the weeper is a really um really big grower and you know just adds a lot of drama i think to the garden so winter interest is really cool yeah. on that plant you know a little yeah. snow and ice on yeah. it gives you a different form mm. obviously you got the wonderful fall color too yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful fall color it can range from orange to apricot to mm. clear yellow, depending on the plant. And kind of two toned. A lot of times, yep. the newest growth is still green, and the interior growth is, you know, a, a whole host of colors, all the way from oranges all the way through. Right. Um, depending on your soil, a lot of times, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Depends on the soil. A lot of times, you know, acid, alkaline, but you know, mostly in Maine, it's it's really soil dependent. So. So certainly, you know, from that standpoint, you know, a cool, interesting tree. We've talked a lot it's been a long winter you know and winter interest you know check that off in the box you know on this plant so great plant you know let's talk a little bit about evergreens because you know there's a million of them in the show this year uh dwarf conifers seem to be you know really highlighted I, i i'm i'm excited about that because you know as it's been such a long winter i want people to look at these dwarf conifers and think about where can i put them in my yard this spring so that I add interest for next right. year. And, you know, a simple one, you know, boxwood really isn't a dwarf conifer, but it has become the new you mm-hmm. in our yep. landscape. Yep. Um, and deer proof, I would call pretty much. They might bite into it, but they're really not going to eat it. Right. Um, just a good old standby in multiple forms, upright, right. pyramidal, rounded, real simple um, dwarf blue spruce. Yep. It's the new blue spruce, I would say. We're oh, not yeah. selling a lot of big blue spruce, but Montgomery, Globosa, yep. you know, tell me a little bit about that plant. Well, those are really, you know, attainable for most gardeners. You know, they're probably getting in the, um, you know, four to five foot range, depending on, you know, what size you start with. They're incredibly easy to prune. They have kind of a, uh, you know, in youth, they have a you know, kind of a rounded, irregular rounded shape. And as they age, they start to take on that shape of a blue spruce that mm. we know, except a little bit wider. Um, really beautiful plant. Uh, and, you know, that color in the landscape, you know, those two plants have a really beautiful silvery blue color to them, which mm-hmm. you cannot get from anything else. So, And yeah. they're tough as nails. That's know? that's the thing. You know, the one thing you can do, folks, there's really two problems with blue spruce I see. Number one, soft fly. Yeah. You know, number two, a spruce budworm. Mm-hmm. But that's easily taken care of spruce budworm by water in the summer months, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You yeah. know, July and August when it's hot, give your spruce a drink once a week. Yeah. And that will just keep spruce budworm away. Sawfly, we never know. Now, if anyone's ever seen sawfly, just Google it. 
because you'll yeah. see interesting videos right. and the worm kind of just it's it's this weird dance they do when you when you come up in contact with them it's really gross yeah they're, they're all clustered on the end of the branch and as they sense you walking by they all move in unison their heads move in unison it's the weirdest thing yeah and um, and let's face it, I mean that is a minimal problem. It shows up once in a blue moon. It's mostly found on pines, but it does also co- show up on spruce periodically. But you know, always something to concern. But I we have a beautiful one in our Kennebunk store that's probably six to eight feet tall, maybe a little taller. It's probably eight to ten feet wide. Nice pyramidal shape. No pruning ever been done on it. Real easy plant. It will get big over time, though. You know, 10, 12 feet tall yeah. is a big one. You know, a lot of times people will sell them as a foundation plant. You need to keep the leader pruned out yes, of them, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And you, when the new growth comes out, which is, the, I think, the most exciting part about this plant, is the new soft growth comes out, and you can actually pinch that in half as well, so mm-hmm. you don't have to really take, you know, and take some heavy wood out of it, right. which is going to make the plant, it's going to make the plant branch out sideways, um, and it'll give you a more of a softer look than going in there and hacking out big branches. Absolutely. And, you know, last but not least, you know, we've got a whole host of other plants we can talk about, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on Newstalk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estbrooks. I'm Tom Estbrook, your host, and we're here with Jim Massey, nursing manager in Yarmouth. Hi, Jim. How are you again? Good. So, flower show, we've been talking about all that, but I've, I want to take a quick moment. It's finally nice to have some warmer weather, isn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> oh, I'm sick and tired of paying the heat bills. <laughs> you know, obviously this week we've had a little snow, we've had a little bit of mix of weather, but boy... Warmer weather for a few days here. We're venting out all the overwinter shrubs now. We've got the greenhouses. We're venting those. Pansies are are growing like crazy on our Facebook page. I uh, posted a picture of a pansy earlier in the week, and it exploded. Everybody yeah. has cabin fever, and the flower show is a great way to get rid of cabin fever, oh, along absolutely. with this 45-degree temperatures. Right. Uh, flower show is open today from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 5 I would recommend you go to the show. We're not at the show this year, right? Yes. But there's a lot of interest there. There's a lot of gardens, obviously great vendors there too to purchase some things, you know, but we're also open in Yarmouth now. Mm, I you know. know, nine to five every day. And, you know, 
the one thing that stands out, what we've grown so far, are primrose. They look oh, great, yeah. don't they? Beautiful. I mean, oh. really great colors, um, full flower. I mean, they look really good. I'm, I'm very happy that uh, my brother did a great job on the crop. Yeah, and every year has its challenges with mm-hmm. the with the weather and the you know how much sun you have. So you know, and plants respond to that. And but this year has just been beautiful for for growth. I and think. next week we're going to talk a little bit about. What's growing in the greenhouse for perennials? Oh yeah, you know, and and some shrubs we've got coming in. Mm-hmm. But at the show, mm-hmm. one plant that I think's underused and a lot of people don't really know about is a nice fir called Horseman Silverlock. Oh yeah, that's a nice plant. Yeah, um, it's a Korean fir, mm. and um, it doesn't get very big. Um, my brother, who is not much of a plant person, mm-hmm. um, he came. Uh, a few years ago and purchased a small one and put it in front of his house and he cannot get over it. Um, it's about probably eight to ten feet tall now. Mm. Um, and the, the thing about this is, you know, it's very similar to, you know, the, the balsam fir, what we use as a Christmas tree, that kind of feeling, but, um, the needles actually curve upwards. So mm. it shows this really beautiful silver underside to the needle. Um, the thing about these Korean furs as well, in this particular, this variety in particular, is that the cones are held upright and they turn from this beautiful bluish green color to kind of a purple color. Yeah, it's cool. Before they dry and they're held on the plant all season until, you know, winter. Um, and the thing that they, when winter comes, the, 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 um, cones disintegrate but you're left with these kind of really cool looking spindles where Mm. the cone used to be and so in a typical tree that's you know a balsam fir this would all be happening above your head where you wouldn't see it but this you can look at right right up close it's incredibly ornamental um, lovely plant. I love it because it gives you a different texture right. for an evergreen in the summer months to contrast mm-hmm. other plants against. But in the off seasons, it shines also. Yeah, and that you, I can't say enough about the purple cone. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's, it's just the wildest thing to see. Um, really, you need something like that, you know, to kind of make you turn your head every once it's in a while. It's one of those conversation pieces, folks, yeah. in a, in a landscape. If you have people over to the house, they're going to gravitate right to that purple yeah. cone and go, I never knew an evergreen could have so much interest, yeah. you know, and like you said, it changes with the cones throughout the summer yeah. and then they drop and they have that beautiful spike yeah. and then that silvery under just it, it's really cool and it is very slow. Yeah. And it's expensive. Well, it's yeah. not a real inexpensive plant for well, the most those part. Those things you get what you pay for. I mean, it's got so much going on, you know, um, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, but you don't need five of them. You need one of them in your yard. Yep. That's the, that's, it's a, it's a statement plant. You pay a little bit more for what you get, but it's reward. It's a rewarding plant. Yeah. And things are going more, you know, landscaping is now into, you know, there's a lot more of the naturalistic look going on. Mm-hmm. So this plant is, looks kind of like it should be here, you mm-hmm. know, but it has some, you know, so many more layers to it. So right. you can put it in a landscape and not have it look, you know, kind of out of place, Absolutely. you know, so, you know. So, you know, another old standby, a weeping pussy willow. Oh, you know, yeah, I right. mean, that's the sign of spring, right? Yep. You know, for Scythia, obviously, too. But yep. the pussy willows are starting to push. You yep. know, it's funny. I was driving down the road the other day, and the maples are starting to swell. I know. You know, people have got their their uh, maple syrup bags and mm-hmm. buckets out on the trees. Yep. The sap is running, folks. Yep. Underneath all of this cold weather that we've had, Mother Nature is warming up from beneath. 
You know, there's no doubt about it. Anybody who drives down a road knows the frost heaves are all over the place. It's terrible. If you haven't hit a big pothole by now, you're doing really well <laughs> at this point. I mean, it's just been yeah. absolutely brutal. But Weeping Pussy Willow is a nice different form yes. from your old yep. standby. But absolutely. you get that old-fashioned plant, but again, a different form in your garden for that yep. off-season. Right. And, you know, that was a nice sign of spring, I, I you know. It kind of just, oh, it's coming. Well, something I just learned about that plant, too, is that it blooms so early. So it's one of the first um, plants that, you know, um, bees go to. Mm -hmm. So when they're just waking up out of their hives and, you know, bees are, um, we want to encourage more bees. And, you know, that's a very popular thing right now. Um, and uh, bees bring us all kinds of good things and uh, they make our gardens come alive. And they're waking up and they need to have a meal. And that plant is one of the first plants to bloom that gives them that, that really important meal when they break out of the hive. So It's always that first few warm yeah. days where, you know, it's amazing. A garden center all of a sudden becomes alive. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden the birds are chirping, the bees are arriving. They're mm -hmm. looking, you know, those first few plants, they're just devouring and going after any type of nectar they can find out there. That's right. You know, the yeah. pansies all of a sudden are, you know, are buzzing and, you know. We're not far away, folks. No. You know, I, I know it looks kind of, you know, ominous <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> you know, out right, there yeah. with the snow banks and the big snow piles. But let's talk about the sun in March. Oh, yeah. Because even with cold temperatures in the 20s, the yep. snow banks are melting. Yeah. Things are happening. It's amazing that. It, it will be two to three weeks, and we'll be we'll be off to the races, and we'll be selling. Mm -hmm. So, forty five degrees, thirty five, thirty seven, thirty nine mm -hmm. degrees the next few days. Right. A lot is going to change in a very right. quick time frame. Um, last plant that I really kind of you know wanted to bring attention to, and there's so many more at the show. I mean, we could go on and on and yep. on. Was weeping Alaskan cedar? Oh yeah. We talked yep. about the green giant arborvitae. Mm -hmm. They have similar sizing eventually, right. but a different look and a different feel, correct? Oh, yeah. Weeping Alaskan cedar, um, beautiful plant, uh, has a dark green to bluish cast to the foliage, more green than blue. Um, has a really beautiful pendant habit. Um, in youth, uh, it's a little bit more pendant than it happens in, uh, than, as it matures. It really takes on a beautiful form. We actually have in our display garden in Yarmouth, mm. a really large plant that I bring people towards. Um, because when you look at the smaller ones, you know, it's kind of like an adolescent, you know, we don't, they don't always show their best shape when they're small, when they're younger, mm. you know, you go through that gawky stage, but once you jump to larger sizes in that plant or as it grows, it really takes on a really full, beautiful look that's um, totally different than what you see in the pot. Yeah, I always, you know, tell people, it looks like a coat rack in the pot, you know, or any plant, right. you know, like it's a spindly thing. It doesn't really look like much, you know, but, oh, look at this one that's been in 20 years. And right, see right, you, right. And they're like, whoa, you right. know, it's just you can't always tell people that in a description. Right, and I think that a lot of times, and this is, brings up a great uh, makes me think of a great point with plants and containers. You know, we're growing these plants and smaller plants as quickly as we can. And so there's some fertilizer involved with that, mm -hmm. you know, and then they throw out this really kind of fluffy, uh, coat racky, like you said, right. growth. 
And that's getting the plant to you in a fast way. But if you, most plants, once you put them in, you should actually prune them after they're in, you know, the first year, like especially evergreens, you can tip those out mm-hmm. next season mm-hmm. and really get that fuller shape quicker. Um, so it doesn't take, you know, 20 years for you to get the form of it. No. And I'm experiencing this at my house. I just bought a house a little while ago and, um, you know, I'm putting small plants in because there's many house projects to be had to be done. And, uh, and I'm putting small plants in and I'm pruning them to get a more mature look out of them quicker. Yeah. So. I mean, the big thing is customers have got to understand if you're buying small plants, You've got to allot the room for them. Right. Exactly. You know, and as nursery folks, right. we struggle with the same thing. Right. Yeah. You know, it's always a struggle for us. You've got this little two-gallon plant. You know what it's going to be. Right. But you don't always give it the room it needs because, you know, so my rule at my house is two to three trees a year. That's it. That's right. all I can plant. Yep. You know, now will I go gangbusters at some point? Absolutely. <laughs> but right now I'm putting in all the big plants right. and I'm actually not building garden beds. But I'm, I already, I already have a limited foundation planting that's there. It's not great, but it'll do for now. So I've been mm-hmm. putting in, you know, like we've talked about in the past, Nissa wildfire. Yeah. I've put in a bunch of apple trees. Right. I put in a beech tree. You know, I'm putting in some of the bigger plants and letting them size up with time. Uh, right. because like you said, when you have a house, there are many priorities. Right. And obviously your living environment tends to take priority over right. your landscape. You know, for the first few years. Right. So don't feel like you have to do everything at once. Right. I, um, I think that's a great point, Tom. Um, you know, and a lot of people, you know, they're really, you know, patience is a virtue and that's really hard for us to, you know, the world's moving really quickly. But, you know, a lot of times people are looking at smaller material and thinking it's never going to be there. But, you know, you add a couple of kids that are going to school and kids grow quickly and so do plants. Mm. So if you n- keep waiting to get a bigger plant, a bigger plant, a bigger plant next year, if you had put the smaller plant in the ground, you know, it would have already been to a certain size point. So, it, you know, you can you tend to the world moves quickly and so the years go by quickly and all of a sudden you're looking out the window and that plant that was three feet tall is now six feet tall three or four years later. So, And certainly some things it's better to buy bigger just because they are so slow. But it depends on the time frame and also having a real expectation of how long you're going to be in the home. Right. You know, if you, this is a home, you're five years and you're going to move and you know that your kids are going to go to school and you want to go into a different school district. Tell us those things. Yeah. Because we'll fit the landscape so in five years it looks mature, it's at the right spacing, right. and your your return on investment is right. really good, you know, for sale. Mm. And also keep in mind what time of year you think you might put it on the market. Is Absolutely. it going to be a spring? Is yeah. it going to be a summer? We'll fit the plants in order to bloom and make your home look the best. So, you know, there's ways, but I always attribute small plants to it's just like the stock market. You hope it grows every single year, right? you know, and it's just reinvesting back into your home. You know, obviously we've had some dips in there, you know, but, you know, plants are like that. Sometimes we have to prune them back. Sometimes we have to shape them. You know, you're going to have bad growing years. You're going to have good growing years. You know, maybe you miss the water in the summer months, but you want to want, eventually it all rebounds. Exactly. You know, it's just a matter of time. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? 
Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine, working together to ensure you, the customer, gets the best quality advice and service. Visit us at MainIGC.com to see the closest IGC member near you, then stop by your local member garden center, where we'll help you select the best product for Maine's climate and soil. We work together to satisfy you. Visit us at MainIGC.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, and it is Flower Show Weekend. It is uh, going to be open from seven, uh, 10 a.m. till 7 p.m. My bad. 10 a.m. till 7 p.m. today, and tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Flower Show has been great. We've been talking about a lot of the plants. There's many more azaleas and other plants that are in the show. We're not going to really talk anymore about it. You've got to go see it. I think it's worth it, don't you, Jim? Oh, my. It's beautiful. Yes. It really, really, really yeah. is an uplift. It makes you just give you that breath of spring. Absolutely. You know, it's going to happen. It's happening whether you, you you think it or not. Spring is coming. Beautiful day today. But let's wrap up the show here. We just got a few more minutes in the show, and let's talk about some of the signs people should look at. We've had a lot of cold temperatures. I'm yeah. sure there's going to be some damage on some plants. Yeah. Um, we're getting a few warm days. Let's talk a little bit about how you can protect your plants at this point and then also what you should be looking for for some damage. Well, you know, I am having that experience at my house. You mm -hmm. know, I have a southern section where even though we have out all this snow, the snow melts there the first. So mm -hmm. I keep piling snow on top of, I have a perennial called uh, Lenten Rose or mm -hmm. Hellebore. And um, I know I was speaking to a woman um, in Portland that lives in Portland. Hers were already up and right. starting to bloom, southern exposure. And then the frost came and took them down again. Right. Very um, challenging. But um, I'm trying to, uh, you know, move more snow onto the plants. Um, it's hard to get that right now with, you know, the snow is all so hard and frozen. Right. So, but, uh, you know, warmer temperatures are coming and they're, they're popping up no matter what. But um, I'm going to do what I can. But I usually the plants rebound. It's really, um, you know, when you have extended periods, you know, month periods of no snow cover that you have the, you know, incur major damage. So I'm pretty positive about that you know yeah i mean i i've got like some dwarf alberta spruce that are just i mean they're brown yeah you know and right. they brown every year folks this right. is a southern yep. hot exposure yep. right up against my garage yep. and every year i go oh they're dead they right. are dead and right. then bam yeah i mean they're they're literally brown right now yeah and they will boom and they'll have all brand new growth right so i guess caution and and patience is yeah. is kind of something people should think about yeah plants are resilient right oh yeah and um you know you're seeing some salt damage too out there now especially where you're salting walkways and the salt you know inadvertently gets onto evergreens mm. and such you know there's certain plants rebound better from that um you know your junipers um your spruces um, but you know, like when you say about your Alberta spruce, you know, the sun reflects off the snow and then, uh, you get a, sometimes get a little burn, but usually that new growth kind of yeah. pushes out and a little bit of fertilizer too in the spring early, 
you know, bef- even before the snow melts is a good thing. I think, I think the thing to, to tell people is, you're gonna see damage, roadies. Mm-hmm. You know, mountain laurel, mountain mm-hmm. andromeda, all your broadleaf. You know, mm-hmm. uh, boxwoods. You know, are yeah. bronzing at the garden center. Right. You know, we know there's gonna be some damage. I think the thing is to be patient, and mm-hmm. the damage really shows up the first what seventy degree day yes. that we have. Yep. You won't. The plants will all look great. Yeah. You know, and then we get a week of say 50, 60, 70 right. degree days. And then all of a sudden you think, Oh my God, what happened to my rhododendrons? What happened to my yeah. spruce? What happened? Yeah. We're going to have some of that. Yeah. And I think the, the thing is, okay, let's pause. Right. You know, just pause and say, okay, we've got a little damage. If you need to shoot us a picture is mm-hmm. always a good thing to do, yep. you know, but you really have to kind of wait until early May. I mean, like roadies, they'll push all new growth off the, the old stems, right? Oh, yeah. They can even, they can get, like you said, deer browsing, you know, mm. even I've seen roadies that have eaten down to sticks that respring, you know, older plants especially are much more resilient. Um, you know, shoot us a picture if you want. It's Jim at EstabrooksOnline.com or Tom at EstabrooksOnline.com. Um, I love to help people with all those, uh, uh, quandaries and expectations. Yeah, or bring them in. You yeah, know, bring absolutely. pictures in if yeah. you're coming in to do shopping. Give me a call. You know, it's a, it's sure. a great way to kind of yeah. come in, kind of see some of the new stuff yeah. that's come in, but also kind of take care of some of those problems. Definitely. You know, well, we've got a couple minutes and, you know, people really should be cautious about deer right now, correct? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Deer are really, really hungry and uh, it's hard for them to get around out These there. warmer temperatures, yeah. they are getting out and they're moving yeah. out of their winter yards. They're moving out of their wimp- winter habitat, yeah. searching for food. Mm-hmm. They're going to come to your yard. The question is, do you use, you know, um, some products at this point? You know, we certainly have a bunch of different products, you mm-hmm. know, that we can, we can put on the plants right yep. now to help. Yep. Um, wilt proof, you yep. know, it's, it's getting pretty late at this point. Yeah. You know, I would say we probably should have done that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, you know, flower shows going on. Yep. Exciting. You know, a couple minutes left here in the show. I think it's, a, it's worthwhile. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I think it's there's a lot of room to move in there. Um, um, really great textural contrast, and I I think that the uh, the storybook garden theme they really carried that off well. Still time to order your plants, folks. If you have specific things you're looking for, you know, contact us. Um, come into the store. We're there basically nine to five every day. If someone's not available from the nursery, just leave what you're looking for, and we'll contact you back. But another beautiful Saturday. Spring is coming, folks. It's happening, Jim. I'd like to thank you for coming in. Oh, thank we'll you. We'll be talking more next week with Jim Massey, nursery manager from. Yarmouth. Uh, you know, another great year at the flower show. I would recommend you get a taste of spring. You know, even if you just go in and smell the bark mulch and see a few plants that you might be interested in, it just gives you an uplift. And Storybook Gardens, great theme for kids. Get out there, enjoy your garden, go to the show, and come visit us at Yarmouth. We're open 9 to 5 every day. Get out there, enjoy your garden. Have a great week. Have a great week.